0: Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series podcast,
1: where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the word. And good morning, Heights family. Great to see everybody today. Y'all doing well? Yeah? Okay, kind of, sort of. Well, good. Praising the Lord for it, either way, right? Hey, as uh, Dale prayed a moment ago, Pastor Rico's going to come in just a moment. And uh, be preaching for me today. We had a busy week of travel and traveling all day yesterday. And so he's uh, sliding in there for me and already has had a phenomenal service earlier. But a couple of quick announcements. One, yes, we're having our Israel information meeting. If you're interested in going to Israel next March, we're having a meeting right after this service in C121. And uh, the response so far is a little bit more than what we thought. We've are just today having the informational meeting, and we've already received uh, deposits for one-third of what we can take. So there seems to be a lot of excitement about this. So if you're at all interested, it doesn't cost anything to go to the meeting. If you want to learn a little bit more about that uh, and going to Israel next month, uh, or not next month, next March, uh, come check that out. Uh, also wanted to give you just a, uh, a quick update on uh, kind of last last week and our, our offering. First of all, just excited to be able to say this after two years of where we've been with COVID and everything. Uh, we had almost 3,200 people here for Easter weekend. Isn't that awesome? So exciting to see that kind of engagement and people coming back and uh, then for Guys, since January, we are February, I think we started talking about a special offering to missions and poverty and debt retirement and budget and a variety of things like this. So we did a, a special offering. It could be given at any time, but we kind of focused on Palm Sunday. And uh, through last night, y'all have given all, all, almost $267,000. And that's another phenomenal number. Thank you so much for that. You can still give to that if you want, but uh, so excited about that number. And remember, you did that while you were also, you, you saw the report from, from Todd Gallagher there just a moment ago, uh, have given now in excess of $200,000 uh, to that work being done there in Ukraine. And um, that is, yep, praise God for that. Um, you know, that's a lot of money going a lot of different directions. Uh, just want to assure you again, Todd is working with a lawyer, with an accountant. With the government at all, making sure how that money is being accounted for and how it is being used. And uh, just a, a great work is being done there with that. So, just kind of want to let you know where we were uh, on all of those things. I will be back in the pulpit next week. We're starting a new series. Uh, we're going to start with the Great Commandments. Uh, there's two of them and then those two great commandments are a summary of the 10 commandments and so we're going to start next week and go all the way I think about to the end of July uh, is how long we'll be looking at these and seeing and I, I hope you're as excited as I am to see that God's goodness and kindness and grace in giving us these commandments uh, they're not about restricting anything in your life they're about giving you life. So we're going to spend a, a several months studying the Ten Commandments, the Great Commandments, and what God has for us, and all of that. Today, again, Pastor Rico, you come on up, and uh, you, I, I sat down next to him this morning, and I thought, Oh my God, we're, we're dressed almost identical, down to the shoes, yeah. and so. Uh, and then I realized he didn't want y'all to get confused. He, he wanted to confuse y'all and and not know that there's somebody different preaching today. <laughs> so uh, good to have you, Rico. <laughs> morning church
0: God is an awesome God isn't he I tell you and just to see the great things that he's doing it just reminds us that uh, you know God is still blessing us and we still see the hand of God amen and that's something that's good to know in the midst of all that's going on in the world today just the death and destruction and war and pandemic and mass shootings and just everything that's going on it's good to know that we still see the the hand of God You know, it's always good to remember, you know, where we've come from and what the Lord has done for us. Uh, I was looking in the scriptures and almost 150 times the Lord uses the word remember. And he was telling the Israelites, remember who I am, remember where I brought you from, and remember what I'm doing for you or what I have done for you. And that's a good thing to remember, isn't it? Same thing is true for us as well. You know, as I was reflecting on that, and I think I've shared my, my salvation story before, but, but real quick for me, you know, I wasn't raised in the church. We went probably about on Easter Sunday and on special occasions, but that was about it. And the only thing I remember about church was wearing a suit, and I couldn't wait. I was hot, and I couldn't wait to get home and play some football or, or watch football or, you know, go out and play or whatever, And the preacher could have been preaching his heart out. I try to remember, do I remember anything the preacher said? And to be honest, I don't remember anything the preacher said when I was was a child. I hope that doesn't happen today, amen? (laughs) I hope that doesn't happen today, but I can remember anything the preacher said. And so then uh, I went to Cornell University, and my sophomore year at Cornell, a young lady who was my friend asked me if I was saved. And I said, saved? What are you talking about? I didn't even know what she was talking about. And she said, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I said, well, I believe in God, but I don't know about that Jesus stuff. And she said, oh, Rico, you're not saved. And just the look of concern she had on her face, and I don't remember anything she said after that, but I remember she said, oh, Rico, you're not saved. And the look of concern she had on her face, I said, maybe this is something I need to look into And me being an engineer, I thought I can look at it logically. You know, one of us is wrong and one of us is right. I mean, one of us is wrong, one of us is right. I could choose to look into it, and if it turns out that I'm right and she's wrong, the worst thing that happens is I've wasted some time. That's the worst thing that happened. The flip side is if I choose not to look into it and it turns out that uh, she's right and I'm wrong, the worst thing that happens is I spent eternity in hell. So I said, eternity in hell, <laughs> waste a little time. I'll choose the waste a little time option, Alex. So I decided to choose that option. So I got a Bible from somewhere. I don't know where I got it from. I started praying to the best of my ability. And I, there were some people who were Christians, and I started asking them questions. And, you know, God just has a way of revealing himself in just little ways. It was, wouldn't, wouldn't have meant anything to anyone else. But God revealed himself to me so, such that I knew God was real. And I knew Jesus was real. But then there was still some sin in my life that I wasn't ready to give up. So I ran from God for two years. Just ran from God for two years. And, you know, one of the ways in which the Lord convicted me, believe it or not, was Christian bumper stickers. I don't know what it was about Christian bumper stickers. But every time I saw a Christian bumper sticker on a car, it just felt like a sword went through my heart. Every single time. Here I am trying to run from God, and he wouldn't let me run. Amen? He would not let me run. If he can use a donkey, he can use a Christian bumper sticker. <laughs> so then, then two years running from God, but then my senior year in college, um, or right before my senior year in college, I had a summer job, and I was walking down the streets of Philadelphia. Walking down the streets of Philadelphia, had my boom box, I think. Any you remember the boom box? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those you who don't know, I'm old enough. That was a big like stereo you'd carry. I think I have back problems to this day because of that. <laughs> Walking down the street with this big boom box. And there was a guy, young guy, maybe in his upper 20s, a little older than me, long hair down to his waist. And he had pictures of Jesus talking to Nicodemus saying "You must be born again. So I stopped and started talking to him. One thing led to another. There I was on the streets of Philadelphia, on the library steps, giving my life to Jesus Christ. Amen. And since then, my life has never been the same. Never expected to be saved. Never expected to preach the gospel. Never expected to be a pastor. In fact, when I told my mother that I was going to preach, she said, you're too quiet to preach. You never know what God can do, amen? (laughs) All right, so we're going to be talking about some of that today. So today our message is coming from the seventh chapter of Judges. Seventh chapter of Judges, which is the sixth book in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 and verses 16 through 22. Seventh chapter of Judges, verses 1 through 7 and verses 16 through 22. And there it reads, Then Jeroboam, who was Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the wall of, well of Herod, so that the host of Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Mora in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now, therefore, go to proclaiming the ears of the people, saying, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people 20 and 2000, and there remained 10,000. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people into the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lap will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go, every man into his own place. Now verse sixteen reads And he divided the three hundred men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps or torches within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets on also on every side of all the camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and held the lamps or the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And the 300 blew the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against this fellow, even throughout all the hosts. You want to stop right there. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, it's again, Lord, we just, uh, just thank you, Lord, for you just being God, Lord, and just all the many, many, many blessings, Lord, you have bestowed upon us, Lord. Lord, as I stand here this morning, Lord, I just, just want to say thank you, Lord, and, and I'm sure everyone under the sound of my voice just want to say thank you, Lord, and thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to share your holy and your precious word. Lord, as I stand here as always, Lord, I just ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord, knowing that I can do nothing on my own, Lord, but yet I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So, Lord, I just ask for that filling, for that anointing of your Holy Spirit. And I ask and pray, Lord, that the words that come forth from out of my mouth, Lord, that they would not be mine, but I ask and pray that they might be yours. For we are not here for form or fashion, Lord. We are not here to glorify ourselves. But we are here to lift up your name, your name alone, that wonderful, awesome, glorious, magnificent and just precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. So I ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen me, Lord, that you would use me and help me to lift up your name. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Our message for this morning is entitled God Never Fails. How How many of you know that? Amen. God never fails. Now the time of the judges was one of the lowest periods of Israel's history for following the death of Moses and Joshua Israel disregarded the law they worshiped idol gods and they turned away from the Lord. If you go to the uh, second chapter of Judges and look at verses 11 through 14 it reads there And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam, and Balaam are false gods. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel." And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers, that's raiders, that spoiled them or raided them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies roundabout so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. In other words, during this time period, because of Israel's sin, the Lord allowed their enemies to overcome them. And the Lord allowed their enemies to enslave them. Nevertheless, God did not leave Israel completely without hope. For whenever the Israelites cried into the Lord, that's when the Lord would raise up judges to deliver them. If you look at verses uh, 16 and 18 of that same second chapter of Judges, it says, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And then if you go to verse 18, it says, And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. And that was the situation that Israel was in our text for today. For at this particular time, Israel was being oppressed by the Midianites, who were a large group of nomads who would come and raid the Israelites right around harvest time. The Israelites would go through the trouble of plowing the land, of tilling the ground, of planting the seeds, and of watering the crops. But then every year, for seven consecutive years, right around the time of harvest, The Midianites would be like a mob and they would come and take their food, take their crops, take their homes, take their possessions. And the scripture says they even forced them to live in caves and in dens. Can you imagine that being a farmer? And I've never been a farmer, but I imagine this a lot of hard work. After going through all that, the Midianites would come and take everything that they had right around harvest time for seven consecutive years. So that's the situation that they were in at that particular time. However, even though Israel had forsaken the Lord and they had been following other gods, when they finally cried unto the Lord, that's when the Lord raised up Gideon to deliver them. If you go to the sixth chapter of Judges, and just look at, we're just going to look at verse 7 and verse 14. In that sixth chapter of Judges, verse 7 it says, And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, Verse 14 says that the Lord looked upon him, looked upon Gideon and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Therefore, what we see here is that even though Israel had been living in sin, even though Israel had turned away from the Lord, even though Israel had been serving other gods, and even though they were up against a mighty enemy in the Midianites, as well as the Amalekites, When they cried unto the Lord, God sent a deliverer. And church, believe it or not, this is also a lesson for us. For even though we're living in a world that's living in sin, even though we're living in a world that's turned away from the Lord, even though we're living in a world that's serving other gods, and even though we're up against a mighty enemy in the devil, did you know if we cry unto the Lord, we will realize he has sent an even greater deliverer than Gideon to save us? For church, Jesus Christ is our great deliverer. And if we cry unto him, he will deliver us from sin, deliver us from death, deliver us from hell, deliver us from Satan, and deliver us from all things if we simply place our trust in him. And that's why it's good to know that we have a mighty deliverer in Jesus Christ. For God never fails. Amen? He never fails. Not one time. Think about that. Not one time from all eternity, God never fails. Now, as we look at the Lord's victory over the Midianites, we see several reasons why Gideon knew that he and the Israelites would be victorious no matter what they might have to go through. And church, in the same way as children of God, we also know with Jesus Christ, we will also be victorious no matter what we might have to go through. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always, not sometimes, not a few times, not most of the time, now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. So today we want to take a closer look and see why the child of God knows that God never fails. First, let's go back to Judges again, the seventh chapter. I'm going to look at verses two through four again, two through four in that seventh chapter of Judges. And there it reads, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now, therefore, go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So the first thing we see is that God never fails because he is jealous of his glory. God never fails because he is jealous of his glory. Now, when Gideon prepared the Israelites to go into battle against the Midianites, even though the Midianites had 135,000 men, which was four times more than what the Israelites had, the Lord said that the Israelites' army of 32,000 men was still too many. Again, he said in the second verse, the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. For you see, the Lord knew if the Israelites defeated the Midianites with that many men, they would lift, be lifted up in pride, they would try to take the credit, and they would try to steal God's glory. Therefore, the Lord said those who were afraid and didn't want to fight didn't have to go. And that resulted in 22,000 of them turning back and returning to Mount Gilead. The Lord didn't want to use those who were afraid, for as it says in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare. And we all know what Paul said in 2 Timothy. He said that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Therefore, this brought the army down to 10,000 men. But then the Lord told Gideon that even though they were down to 10,000 men, there was still too many. So he told Gideon to tell the men, to go to the river and get a drink of water. And the Lord chose only those who drank water like a dog. And that left them with 300 men versus 135,000 Midianites. That's like the number of people in in this column right here going up against more than half the city of Richmond. Can you imagine going to a battle, just the people right there in that column, going into war, going into battle against more than half the city of Richmond. That seems like an impossible battle to win to the natural mind. But that gives us an indication of just how jealous God is of his glory. For the Lord wanted to make sure that Gideon and the Israelites knew that they had absolutely nothing to do with this upcoming victory, but it was all because of the power of God. Amen? And did you know that God oftentimes will do the exact same thing with us? For he often places us in situations where it seems like you have no chance. Have you ever been in a situation where it seems like there is no hope? Have you ever been in a situation where it looks like there is no way out? It doesn't make sense. You have no strength. There's just a few people. Have you ever been in a situation where it seems like there is you don't know what to do? Has anyone ever been in that situation before besides me? Well, did you know that even though that may seem like a bad thing, Oftentimes, that is a good thing because now we're forced to depend upon him. Amen. The Lord wants us to learn, as Paul said in First Corinthians, the 10th chapter, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. The Lord wants us to learn, as it says in the 115th Psalm, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. The Lord wants us to learn, as it says in 1 Corinthians one thirty-one: he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And let's also go to Jeremiah, the ninth chapter. I love these verses right here. Jeremiah, the ninth chapter, verses 23 and 24. Listen to these verses. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And church, that's why the Lord will often weaken us until we have no strength. And it's not until then that he gives us the victory. For just like Gideon and the Israelites, oftentimes we are too many. Oftentimes we are too mighty. Oftentimes we are too wise. Oftentimes we are too proud in our own minds for, in order for God to give us the victory. Therefore, he has to first weaken us before he gives us the victory to ensure that he and he alone gets the, gets the glory. For the Lord wants us to learn, as it says in the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, that my grace is sufficient for thee. The Lord wants us to learn that my strength is made perfect in weakness. The Lord wants us to learn that when I am weak, then am I strong. And that's why our success should not be based on what we can see with the physical eyes. Our success should not be based on just what we're going through. But just like Gideon, our success should be based on believing what God said in his word. And if you have that type of godly faith, we don't expect everything to go our way. We don't expect not to have some trials and tribulations we don't expect no heartaches and pains. We don't even expect a perfect church. For the reality is, the greater the trial and the greater the difficulty we have to go through, the greater the opportunity we have to glorify the Lord by placing our trust in him. That's why one writer said that man's extremity is God's opportunity. Well, I like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12.10, that scripture we had up earlier, he said, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. And church, that's something we must remember as we walk this Christian walk. So many times we get down because of what we're going through. So many times we get depressed because of our trials and tribulations. So many times we get angry because life doesn't seem to be fair. Has anyone ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand. But has anyone ever been there? But church, we have got to realize that it's not about you and it's not about me. But church, is all about Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ must get the glory. And if we look at the word of God, we see that there's many different ways by which we can glorify Christ. We glorify Christ by trusting him. In Romans 4.20, it says that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith giving glory to God. In other words, when you go through those trials, when you go through those tribulations, when you place your trust in God, by doing so, you're giving glory to God. We glorify God by worshiping him. David said in the 29th Psalm, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We glorify Christ by living for him. We have got to realize that this body is not our own, but this body now belongs to Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We glorify Christ by witnessing for him. Matthew 5.16, our Lord said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. We glorify Christ by being obedient to him. If you want to glorify Christ, be obedient to Christ and his word. Amen? Amen. Joshua 7, 19, Joshua said to Achan, Give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession unto him. And we glorify Christ by praising him. The psalmist said that whosoever offereth praise glorifieth me. For church, it's not about us, but it's all about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ deserves all the glory. That's why the heavenly host said in Revelation 5:12, "Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing." Jesus Christ deserves all the glory. Amen? Amen. And when you realize that Christ gets all the glory, that's when you have joy in the midnight hour. That's when you have peace in the midst of the storm. That's when you have comfort when it seems like there is no tomorrow. That's when you have hope when it looks like all hope is gone. For church, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about our problems, it's not about our difficulties, it's not about our trials, it's not about our tribulations, but it's all about Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ must get the glory. Therefore, keep your minds focused on Jesus Christ. For church, God never fails. Amen? Amen. Never fails. Doesn't mean you won't go through some trials. Doesn't mean you won't go through some tribulations. But in his word God said that he will use even those if you are a child of God for his glory and for our good. And that's why we know that God never fails. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go back to Judges now. Judges the 7th chapter. Let's look at verses uh, 5 through 7 there. Judges the 7th chapter verses 5 through 7. And there it reads, "And the men and the Oh, shoot, I'm in Joshua. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I say, that's not right. <laughs> Judges, the sixth book in the Old Testament. <laughs> Judges, the seventh chapter, verses uh, five through seven. And there it reads. So he brought down the people unto the water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the 300 men that lapped will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go, every man into his own place. So first of all, we saw that God never fails because he is jealous of his glory. The second thing we see is that God never fails because of his mighty power. God never fails because of his mighty power. Now, as previously mentioned, because the Lord wanted to further reduce the Israelite army, he told Gideon to get the 10,000 men who were not afraid to fight, go to the water to get a drink, and 9,700 of them bowed down upon their knees to drink water, and those were the ones who were left behind, while the 300 who lapped water like a dog were used by the Lord to fight the Midianites." In church, again, believe it or not, this is a beautiful lesson for us. For first of all, it shows us because of God's mighty power, he doesn't need a whole lot of people in order to accomplish his will. But he will use just a few humble servants who are truly ready to serve him, and my God can still do great things. For the 300 who lapped water like a dog versus bowing down to drink were those who are on the alert, those who are on guard, those who are watching for the enemy and ready to fight at a moment's notice. What well, did you know in the same way, the Lord uses those who are spiritually alert. The Lord uses those who are spiritually on guard. The Lord uses those who are spiritually watching and ready to be used by the Lord at a moment's notice. That's why 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. First Thessalonians 5, 6, it says, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Colossians 4, 2, it says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Therefore, even though these 300 were few in number compared to 135,000 Midianites, this again tells us that God doesn't need a whole lot of people in order to accomplish his will but he will use just a few humble and willing servants who are truly ready to serve him, and my God can still do great things. For example, Moses used a small rod to part the Red Sea. Samson used the jawbone of a donkey to kill 1,000 men. David used a slingshot and a single stone to kill the giant Goliath. Jesus used two fish and five loaves of bread to feed the 5,000. That's why Zechariah 4, 6 says that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. For my Lord Jesus has more than enough power to meet our every need. Do you believe that? He has more than enough power to meet our every need. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now, the Greek words for exceeding abundantly means above and beyond more than enough. So it's like Paul can even find the right words to say. Now unto him that is able to go above and beyond more than enough. Do you believe that's what God can do? He can go above and beyond more than enough. So many times when we go to God, we underestimate what my God can or will do. Therefore, if we're having problems, we easily get disturbed. We easily get discouraged. We easily get distraught because we don't see a way out of a particular situation. And we don't believe that my God can or will help. But we need to realize that my God has more than enough power to meet our every need. Amen? More than enough power to meet our every need. This God who created this universe more than enough power to meet our every need. Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My Lord Jesus, if he chooses to, can heal you when you're sick. My Lord Jesus can comfort you when you're lonely. My Lord Jesus can change the hearts of men. My Lord Jesus can make your enemy your footstool if we simply place our trust in him. That's why in Isaiah 9-6, our Lord Jesus is called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. My Lord Jesus is a mighty God, the mighty God, and he's able to meet our every need. doesn't matter for his spiritual problems, family problems, financial problems, health problems, marital problems, my Lord Jesus has more than enough. Amen? More than enough. That's why the songwriter said, how many of you heard this song? The songwriter said, makes no difference, church. What the problem? God is able. He's able to solve them. He can make a way out of no way and turn your midnights into day. My God can do anything. My God can do anything. And that's what we need to always remember, for God never fails. Amen? Think about that. The God you serve, the God prayerfully you belong to, God never fails. All right. Let's go back now to Judges, the seventh chapter, and we're going to wrap it up. Judges, the seventh chapter. Look at verses 16 through 22. And there it reads. And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps or torches within the pitchers. And he said unto them, look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him, came into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hand to blow. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the hosts ran and cried, And fled, and the 300 blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against this fellow, even throughout all the host. So, first of all, we saw that God never fails because he is jealous of his glory. The second thing we saw is that God never fails because of his mighty power. And last but not least, God never fails because of his great gospel. God never fails because of his great gospel. Now the way the Lord had Gideon and the Israelites defeat their enemy was highly unusual. Highly unusual. For instead of using bows and arrows, instead of using swords or weapons, Gideon divided the 300 men into three groups. And each man had a trumpet in his right hand and a dirt pitcher with a lit torch hidden inside in his left hand. And then approximately midnight, the men blew their trumpets and Broke the pictures such that the hidden torches now shine in the midst of the enemy's camp. And they shouted, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And the Midianites became so scared and so confused that they began killing each other. And 120,000 of them were killed. Well, believe it or not, this is a picture of the devil's kingdom being defeated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the sounding of the trumpet is a picture of the preaching of the gospel. Isaiah 58.1 says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. And the shining of lights out of dirt pictures is a picture of us who are made out of the dust or the dirt of this earth. And what do we do? We let our light shine in the midst of this world. Again, what did our Lord Jesus say? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when we think about this battle that Gideon and the Israelites went into, just as Gideon was a mighty deliverer, just as Gideon was a mighty conqueror, just as Gideon was a mighty savior, we have an even greater deliverer, an even greater conqueror, An even greater Savior, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And church, that's why we have got to call upon him. And think about what Gideon and the Israelites did. They went forward with 300 men, even though it seemed like they had no chance, and even though it seemed like they had no hope. When the same way, we must also go forward into a wicked and sin-sick world and share what thus saith the Lord even though it may seem like we have no chance, and even though it may seem like we have no hope. For church, I'm here to tell you, God never fails. Now, just as with Gideon, it's not always going to be easy. When you go into the enemy's camp, when you go into a a sin-sick world, it's not always going to be easy to share God's word. Some will accept it. Some will reject it. You may be persecuted. You may be ridiculed. But when you think about all that Christ has done for you, When we think about how he watches over us, when we think about how he provides for us, when we think about how he protects us, how can we not tell the world, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen. Romans 1.16, Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And church, you don't have to be a preacher to share the word of God, do you? That's something that all of us can do. Doesn't matter how gifted you are. Doesn't matter how educated you are. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how wealthy you are. If the Lord has blessed your soul, then you ought to tell it. For we all have got a story to tell. As David said, my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. And even though we're going into a sin-sick world, even though you may be fearful, there is no need to be afraid. Why? Because the Lord has promised to be with us every step of the way. As the Lord told Joshua in Joshua 1 9, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Even though we're living in a world that doesn't want to hear God's word. Isn't that the world we're living in today? They don't want to hear God's word. Even though we're living in a world that doesn't want to talk about sin, no one wants to talk about sin today. Even though we're living in a world that doesn't believe in hell, hell seems to be a fantasy to the world today. Even though we're living in a world where anything goes, that should not stop us from preaching and sharing what thus saith the Lord. We must preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must go into the world and share what thus saith the Lord. Right here is a summary of the gospel. A lot of times we wonder what, what what do I say when I'm witnessing to others? That right there is a summary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 3:23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You sin, I've sin, the Pope is sin, president has sinned, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the first part of Romans 6:23 says the wages of sin is death. That means the payment the penalty, the punishment for sin is death. And that's not just physical death. Death actually means separation. But that's also spiritual death or eternal separation from God in hell. And that's why Luke 13, 3, our Lord said, Except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. But thanks be to God, that's not the end of the story. Amen? That is not the end. For the good news, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Therefore, Romans 10, 9, Therefore, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen? And this is the only way. For our Lord Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That right there is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that we must share with the world. For we must tell the world that going to church won't save you, getting baptized won't save you, Taking communion won't save you. Being a good person won't save you. Singing in the choir won't save you. Being an usher won't save you. Giving to charity won't save you. Being a missionary won't save you. Preaching behind the pulpit won't save you. But the only way to be saved is we must receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The only way, Acts 4.12 says... Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's why Paul told Timothy, Preach the word, be instant in, season out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. We've just got to preach Jesus Christ and let God do the rest. For contrary to the, what this world might think, My Lord Jesus is not just a baby born in a manger, and he's no longer hanging on the cross. He's not in the grave, and he's no longer dead. He's not just a prophet, and he's not just a man. But the Jesus I serve is the almighty God himself. Amen? He is the I am that I am. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the true vine. I am the only door. I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. He is the bright and morning star, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the ancient of days, the eternal one, the almighty God. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. That's the Jesus that I serve. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. And that's what we've got to share with the world For God never fails. Amen? Amen. Never fails. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that we serve a God who never, ever, ever fails. From all eternity, Lord, everything is under your power and everything is in your control. And because of that, Lord, we know that we serve a God who never fails. There might be some who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord. And I just pray that if there is, are any under the sound of my voice who don't know him as their personal Lord and Savior, I just pray right now that hearts might be convicted, Lord, that hearts might be touched, Lord, that they might come crying out and say, what must I do to be saved? And prayerfully, we will let them know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, in the midst of our trials and tribulations, Lord, in the midst of a wicked, sin-sick world, in the midst of all that we see going on in the world today, we serve a God who never fails. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us of that, Lord, and we pray because of that, Lord, we can always place our trust, our faith, and our hope in you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.